0: Okay, and so honestly, in the big picture of this is that Israel just needs to be holy. And the enemy knows that. And so that's why the world and the enemy is always trying to keep the church and Israel from being holy. And so through the world, the church is being polluted. And so what do we need to do? The kingdom of heaven in itself is not something that that the enemy can touch, but what they can do is pollute the people who make up that kingdom. And And so how? By keeping you from living by God, but by living by your own methods. And if you live by yourself, by your own methods, following after the methods of the world, then you receive the standards of the world. And that's how you get polluted. And that's the problem with Israel in this time, during this 8th century time. The problem wasn't the fact that they were rich, but the problem was that they were living by those riches. They were living by their own thoughts, thinking thinking that they are blessed because of their riches in itself. And so they call the name Yahweh, but everything, their method of life, their standards, their... Their, their things are all based on Baal, on immorality.
1: And
0: so as it becomes personified in them, they don't even recognize that this is sin anymore. And it's the same thing to the church. And so from the beginning, it doesn't begin by, by sin manifesting itself. Even 20 years ago, if you thought about homosexuality, that was something that could not even be uttered in the church, right? Just 20 years ago. And but slowly by slowly it trickled in as the world continued to um, immerse us in the in, in the lifestyle, and so now now to the point where homosexuality is something that that has to be accounted for, right? So, as you live by yourself, little by little, you personify the methods of the world, little by little. And you come to the point where you don't even recognize that it's sin. This is something that's actually really sensitive, it's delicate. But for, but in many aspects, in the church, their thoughts is humanistic. Their thoughts is the worldly way. Their thoughts is unbelief, thinking that the fleshly life is everything they just confess with their lips Jesus but in their hearts they don't have Jesus in their hearts and, so, and as they're living by the standards of the world they don't recognize that that's sin they don't even they can't even distinguish whether it's from the holy spirit or from or not they just think it's natural and because they think it's natural it's obvious that they become religious and legalistic they become ritualistic And so through that, when that day comes, when all the religions of the world be united, of course they're going to join hands thinking that 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 is the right thing to do. And so this powerless church, this church that has no salvation, This church where the glory of God does not appear This church has been um, The church of of this present day And so the enemy Thinks that they can proclaim That we are victorious But yet God has has set aside His remnant Amen And so though uh, we may be few There are the remnant left over for God To uh, bring about His glory Amen And so think about how valuable, how precious you are to God when everyone is 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 forsaking God and yet you are holding on to God. How precious would you be to him? And so so in this day and age, you are the you are the apple of God's eye, right? You are the twinkling, the twinkling, right? Like it says, twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are, right? You are the twinkling in God's eyes. And so as long as you understand this, there's not much difficulty in understanding the book of Hosea. And Because Israel has been polluted,
1: because Israel is polluted, the hope of
0: the world is polluted, right? Because because what is Israel? Israel, Israel is the priest. They the, the act as the priest for the world to God.
1: world. are are Who are Right?
0: So look throughout history Even in history we can see That that it is about God God is the one who is moving history It is not about power Look at the empires of the world Did they fade because they lacked power? No, it's not because of lack of power It's because God willed it
1: and so what we got
0: to see is the essence, the essence of things. And the essence of things is based on the holiness of Israel and the, and the holiness of the church. It doesn't matter what the world says. The world may make all kinds of explanations. But ultimately, when it comes to the perspective of God, it's because of Israel and the church. And so the influence of the Israel and church is this tremendous. And this is your reality as pastors. This is the fact that you need to receive—that it is your your influence that 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 touches and steers the direction of 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 the history of man. And this is one thing that you should never forget. And so, from this perspective, being a pastor is something that's impossible, right? Because look at how immense this calling is, because you are not just living for yourself. You are not just a simple human being, but you are, a, are, are in a different uh, level, in a different dimension. The fact that God is going to entrust you as steward over His church, that, that is an immense 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 uh, Privilege And responsibility Think about Josephus The history, historian From the ancient times He said that The most glorious And most honorable Position Was the high priest Of the temple But you are no, you, you're The glory That you, are, you have been given Isn't Isn't just the level Of the high priest But it's something That goes even beyond that It transcends that why? Because you're leading one church in that church has the authority to what? To rule over the entire universe. Because God has given that kind of authority. And so, so without awareness of this calling, you should not uh, take that first step of being a pastor. The first step should be being aware of that calling first.
1: First.
0: Look at how important this calling is In our church right now There are people who are, who are fleeing Because of the lack of that calling Not just even lay members But even pastors Are being, are being chased out because, because of the lack of the calling And so this calling Calling is so important It's so important to understand What that calling is And so right now we, We've been uh, touching these four things In our church Calling um, The uh, unbelief towards the word Uh, immorality, and I didn't hear the last one, but uh, you you remember, right? The four things. (laughs) You guys are better than me, so you remember. (laughs) But really, I wanted to take a break after the last conference that we had, but we could not take a break because so much is going on. But listen carefully. You are this glorious church and when it comes to church It doesn't matter what the circumstances of the church is All you have to do is understand that God has called me and this is his church If you have that if you have that calling for sure then then ultimately your faith will drive you through. The word says this and throughout the 2,000 years of the church history you can see what God has done through the church all the testimony of the of those forefathers right and so what can what can obstruct the church and so this is where you need to find your focus is 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 the church the problem no it's me i'm the problem do i not truly have that calling do i not have that firm belief in that calling that's what that's what you need to be sure of as long as you have that sure if as long as you have that assurance
1: as it says in Revelation one, seven, right?
0: Seven, right? God is the one who holds holds the seven stars and the seven arrows, right? And what are those seven stars? The seven stars are the messengers of the church. Who are those messengers? And I'll, I'll preach on this later. But primarily, this messenger is the one who speaks the word of God in that church. And then, who is that messenger then? Then it is the apostle, the the overseer, the elder, right? And then again, that messenger also has the meaning of angel. Spiritually speaking, what does this mean? that means that when whoever proclaims the word of God in the church if it's the pastor who is the one who's moving it is the angel right and so that's what it says right the angel of the Lord is being moved the angel of the Lord is being proclaimed and so when that word proclaims uh, the angel of the Lord is proclaiming
1: and so and so primarily
0: this messenger is the word angel and but why did he use the word messenger instead of just angel it's because who has that responsibility? Responsibility for that message—it is the overseer, it is the elder, right? And so that means that this messenger doesn't just apply to angel of the Lord, but also to the apostle of the Lord, the 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 pastor who is uh, who is the head of that church. And so so who is being held? It is the apostle. It is the the messenger. And so if you are the pastor of the Lord, then God is upholding you. God is holding on to you. He is guarding you. And so you as... As the steward of God's word in his church, you are not just some random being. You are a being who the almighty, omnipotent, omniscient God is keeping, is guarding. And so you need to have that confidence, that pride, that, that, that nobility, that honor. Do you believe in who you are? Do you know who you are? And so that's why you can say Even if I were to be reincarnated I want to be reincarnated as a pastor (laughs)
1: Especially
0: in these end times These holy, holy servants of God And that's truly what I believe That you are, that you are these servants Upheld by God, guarded by God and so let us not disappoint the calling of the Lord. Amen? Because really you belong to God, right? You belong to God and that's why I can serve you in this way. Because this is God's calling for you. This is god if I did not see that how could how could I pour my everything to you. It's because I believe that you are the servants of God in these end times. That's why I pour myself out. My time, my passion, my money, everything that all the resources available to me. So please be aware of why I'm sending all of this to you. It's because I believe that this is who you are, that God is holding on to you in this way. Do you truly believe? Do you believe? Do you think that I'm just joking? Do you think that I don't believe? Back in the day, I didn't believe. But now I truly believe. Amen?
1: And so, if you say, uh,
0: if you don't believe, raise your hand so that I can lay my hands upon you so that you can believe.
1: Do you
2: believe?
0: and so right now what we want to focus on is the relationship between Israel and God is a relationship of a spouse right they're getting ready to get married they are they are betrothed to one another and so Hosea it's through Hosea that this revelation was revealed they are not yet married but they are betrothed they are betrothed right But when they are betrothed, that means legally, they are spouse.
1: And so during this time of
0: betrothal, it's time for the the bride to purify herself and to prepare herself. And so when it comes to a spouse, it's between the husband and the wife. Not between the wife and Asherah. Not between the wife and the world. The world has no way, no space to interlope. Because the world ultimately is is going to burn tomorrow. Right? Is going to fade away. And so we should not put weight there. We should not put our focus there. Our focus should be on God. Our weight should be on God.
1: And sisters sisters
0: you may not like get when we talk about these kinds of things right because like for throughout history yeah. women's life has basically been tied to the man right and so and so a lot of times that's hard but but this is biblical that's actually our relationship to god and that's why many women rebel against this kind of attitude. It's hard to receive. It is hard to receive.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I know that you don't like to hear it, but this is true, right? And and so who you meet, right? The wife. Who you meet was going to change your life. And this is really important everything that means ultimately is the responsibility of the man the pastor why because god has established you as the head of that family right and so you should not complain to your wives it's all about your problem your issue and so and so look i'm giving you all the burden aren't i but receive that burden
1: and pastors
0: and as i always claim wives your your wives should be your first disciple your first disciple should be your wife and pastor if you cannot take that responsibility that's why your church is not is not growing it's not is not working out because because you and your wife are not united. If your wife is rebellious against you then then the, then the pastor you cannot you cannot, uh, uh, boldly proclaim, and so you should boldly proclaim to your yeah. wife first. And so, pastors, this is actually causing great uh, loss in your in spiritually to you. As long as your relationship with your wife is is whole and complete, then the enemy cannot touch you. And so this spousal relationship, this perfect relationship between God and His bride, if you have that, then there is no problem. But it's because there is there is holes there. That's why there's space for the world to interlope, Asherah.
1: And so here,
0: I don't know how God came to this 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 parable. But Hosea began this parable Of this relationship between spouses And this relationship is perfected Where in revelations With the wedding feast Of the lamb and his bride And so Hosea began this revelation 2,000 years ago And opened that revelation And so And so as I said, the reason why he's comparing our relationship with spousal, with a marital relationship is because the focus is on what? As I said last night, it's on purity. And so the Holy Spirit wants purity, right? And that's why the Holy Spirit is given to us, because it is the Spirit that purifies us. He is a refining Spirit, right? And always constantly confirming in us who we are and what He has done, what He has given us by grace, constantly purifying us, refining us. And so it's really important to continually receive that. And so that we can stand as that pure bride in that day. And as I said, you do not become a pure bride just by attending church. And I don't know how many will stand before God as that pure bride, but honestly, I do not think that it's going to be a lot, a multitude. It's going to be a small number, it's going to be a remnant. And so who in that wedding feast is the one who has the greatest joy? Who has the greatest joy in a wedding feast? Is it not the bride and the groom? It is not the crowd, it is not the multitude, but the bride and the groom. And so that is what we need to yearn for, that is what we need to desire for. Don't, don't shoot, don't aim to be the crowd, don't aim to be the multitude. You need to aim to be the groom, the bride, right? And so, where is the focus on being the bride? It is in purity, purity. And so, do, and now dominion. Dominion is child. And so, when Hosea talks about this relationship of the bride, then then where is his po- purpose? His focus is on purity. And so, look at verse two in chapter one, where I I forgot to uh, go deeper onto this yesterday, where he talks about uh, the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. And this word forsaking uh, is the Hebrew word ahaz, and what this ahaz means is to put behind, to put, uh, to turn your back, right? and and that means that God is also going to turn his back but who are we as Christians as Christians we are to be before God we are to be in his presence we are always to be before him right it's always supposed to be before but how great is this curse to be put back and as 2 Corinthians 4.4 says that, that when we are before him The light of his glory shines upon us and, and we're supposed to receive that light And as you keep receiving that You become purified And, purify, and as you become purified You know Jesus' life becomes my life but it's bec- and, and so as Jesus' life becomes my life, how? By maintaining that direction. It's about direction, right? And But because you are constantly, you don't know where that light is coming from. You are not facing that. You lose your direction. And so one of the things that you should always confirm in your life is, Am I facing towards God? Is my direction headed towards God? That's something that you need to constantly confirm within yourself am I looking towards his light am I fixing towards his light or am I going somewhere else am I going somewhere else and another thing that you need to check is continually welcome him in welcoming him in as I said to the brothers of my church keep inviting him wherever you are in your workplace in the places of hardship keep welcoming him welcoming him and feel his presence and as you feel his presence and acknowledge him he will lead you as Proverbs says And then so you you need to continually check, Holy Spirit, what is going on? What is going on? Holy Spirit, where should I go? Holy Spirit, where is your will? And that's why the cell phones are such dangerous. Because it keeps taking your mind. It keeps taking your attention away from God. It keeps taking your personality away from God. And so what's important is you need to be able to stop. But, but if you have your cell phone in front of your face, you can't stop. Your head just continually moves, continually moves. And so you can't receive the revelation. Because what is revelation? Revelation is stopping and waiting for God to reveal. And keep waiting, inviting Him. Keep inviting Him. But because all of these things are closed, your brain keeps moving, your mind keeps moving, and in your mind, you get, uh, the devil establishes these strongholds. No longer footholds, but strongholds. And these strongholds are so hard to break down. And so, what's important is is being in that direction of God. What God wants right now. Where God is headed. What God desires. So, let's say I kicked Teung. Then, what is he going to feel? He's going to feel shame, right? He's going to feel shame. Like, how can you kick me in front of everyone, right? if the flesh is living and I respond to that flesh, that's what's happened. But, right? The flesh responds. But in the same way, the spirit also responds to, to uh, stimulus whenever you are stimulated the spirit responds if you cannot feel that response of the spirit that means that that spirit is sick right for example I kicked him and he doesn't feel anything then he is sick somewhere right but, but, and it's the same thing with the spirit the spirit receives stimulus and responds and not just physical factors, there's also mental factors, right? Some people cannot feel emotions yeah. the same way. It is because there is a problem with of the part of their brain that is receiving certain kinds of emotions. And so, if it's because you are unaware of how joyous the Holy Spirit is, or how displeased He is, or how sad He is. That's why, that's why you cannot fix yourself to His direction. And so this, this flow of your hormones, your, 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 your senses, your nerves, as long as they are healthy, that's when we can say that you are a healthy being, right?
1: <laughs> and so when these system starts to broken down,
0: then the functions of the body cannot act right, right? For example, if you eat too much red meat, you know, because you you eat too much protein your body Your body's uh, develops gout, right? And the problem isn't because you eat too much meat. No, rather your body is unable to handle all that meat, right? And so as long as your body if your body is able to digest all that protein, then as long it doesn't matter how much red meat you eat. But so the problem isn't the eating of the red meat, right? I mean, you understand what I'm saying like the problem is 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 how much your body can handle it. And it gets to the point where your ha- body can no longer handle it. And so it's not the food that causes the disease in your body, but rather the, the ability for your body to uh, digest it is, is failing. So it's the same thing spiritually. Think about it. You hear God and you're unable to rejoice, then what else is going to enter you? What's going to lead you? If you cannot find that direction, that means that something is broken. That means that you are not living spiritually. And I didn't talk about the noose this time. But what does it say in Philippians 4 6 that all all knowledge, all senses, right? This is their noose. And so and so it means that in your relationship with God, there is a problem. So, right now in this service, God's presence is here, right? And God's presence, His anointing is being poured out here. And so you should be able to feel that. And right now, as my words are being proclaimed, this anointing is flowing through my lips and going to you. And you should be able to feel that, right? You should be able to recognize that. And so, if these spiritual things are broken, You need to be aware. You need to recognize that and acknowledge that. Then, if so, right, if your body has something broken, then what do you do? You go to a hospital, right? Then, why don't you go to the hospital for spiritual things? You need to loosen it, you need to unravel these things. The basic of, of being healthy is the same, whether spiritually or f- physically. Just as, you know, you eat good food, good nutrients, and exercise so that you can make use of those nutrients so that your body is healthy. In the same way, you eat the word and you digest that word by praying. And, you become, and, and so your life becomes holy and you are able to live a godly life. But if you, if you just leave it alone and just tolerate, oh, I can't feel God and I don't know what to do and so I just live my life, no, that's the problem. And so purity in itself, of course, purity is not something that we can make of ourselves. It's something that God gives. But through acknowledging Him and receiving Him, receiving the things that He gives, that purity is poured out inside of us. And so that's why that's what we call a godly life. Godly life isn't just being a good person no a godly life is being in god and so that energy that strength that authority comes from here as it says in revelations 22 const, always cleansing your your robes in the in the li, living water right and this is what you're doing always washing your clothes washing your clothes So purity doesn't just isn't just once for all, but constantly washing yourself, washing yourself, because you might live by the flesh, and so you've got to take that energy back. You've got to remove that energy.
1: And so, if
0: you live by the flesh, it's not that you simply sin and ends there. No, you got to, you got, when you sin, there is that energy of that sin. So you got to take that energy back. And so, this delicate nature, this delicate balance between flesh and spirit, is inside of you and is something that you have to, you have to uh, recognize and acknowledge. If if there is a hundred energy in the flesh, then you got to take that hundred energy back. If not, it's going to continually build up, continually build up and continually bind you. And so you got to hold on to the promise of God and allow that promise of God to continually loosen you and loosen you. And what does that mean? And until when? Until the point where you become that state where the strategy of the world, the strategy of the devil has no longer influence over you. And so anyways, this relationship between wife and husband Why is this what's important? Because the focus is on purity. Through your life, through your life, only through the measure of your life can that purity be applied to you. And so there is nothing religious, religious action that you can, that you should do without purity. Okay, don't, so what I'm trying to say is don't work hard for your pastoral ministry without first considering your purity. God did not create you to be a worker, his purpose for you is not to be a worker. His purpose is you himself. And so there's no reason for you to do anything without that purpose first being fulfilled. And so, what is Hosea continually saying? He's saying that this love of God, there's this pure love. Know how much He loves you. So, what does He say? He says, "Let us know the Lord. Let us press on to know the Lord."
3: And
0: And even Even in Isaiah What does Isaiah say He says that the horses and the cows The beasts of the field Know that God is God And yet his creatures, his men His people do not know So it's about knowing the Lord Let us know the Lord And this know is yada Yada in Greek is ginosko What does ginosko mean? It means knowing through experience Knowing through personal experience Constantly receiving Him Constantly feeling Him and experiencing Him Knowing what that love is That means every moment by moment Not only am I experiencing God God is also experiencing me Right? Just as your relationship between husband and wife is two ways. It's not a one way route. It's two ways. And so in the same way, God is knowing you. And so think about how amazing is this fact that God who is almighty, all knowing wants to know me. That his desire is to know me. How much does he choose to love us? The fact that he's willing to give up knowing us So that he can learn about us, so that he can come to know us. How amazing is this? And that's why David in Psalms 114, he says, "God, God, how much you think about me? What is man that you should think of me so? And this is the relationship that we have, this relationship of love, where we come to know one another, where we come to know one another. And that's what you need to feel. That's what you need to experience. And I'm not talking about knowing and experiencing emotionally. No, I'm talking about your spiritual senses, being attuned to God and receiving God. And so pastors, pastors, you are not any ordinary m- human being. No, you are a being held onto by God, guarded by God. You have particular uh, interest to God and God gives you particular care. Because you have the keys to opening up the gates of heaven on this earth. And so, of course, he's going to give you particular attention. Amen. And so, let's continue. Verse 2 to 4.
1: This is the first accusation and judgment.
0: And so, throughout the prophets, Whenever prophets speak of prophecy You need to understand that God's purpose Isn't to kill them No, but rather to call them to repentance To return, to turn, to turn That the world is the poison That the world is trying to kill you Don't look to the world, but return Right, what is the Hebrew word? Shub, shub, shub If you don't return, that world will kill you And so the prophecy of of devil and the prophecy of God the direction is different devil's prophecy is always you're going to die you're going to die but that's not the purpose of God what is God is you return return right when Elijah went to Ahab and prophesied said you will die and what did Ahab do he repented and because he repented God sent Elijah back and saying that I saw your repentance and you will not die and so God's or God's prophecy is is not that He wants it to happen, but he, He's willing to to give up His honor, His 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 reputation, so that you will return, right? And so, can you feel God's love right now? Can you feel this torrid love? That's why I call it explosive, shocking love. Mm. As if a rushing river flowing into you. So verse (laughs) 2.
1: Plead with your mother. (laughs) Plead
0: this word plead is, is a legalistic term right like in, in the court of law when you plead plead as if being a witness right and you have to be your own witness and so originally if you live with God you cannot be under the curse but now they're under the curse because they fled from God so if we live with God then no matter what devil come no matter what circumstances may come there is no curse over us but if you do not live with under God, even if no one curses you, you are under the curse. What did God create you? God created you as what? A living psyche. Why, why did he create us as a living psyche, a living soul? Because if you do not have me, you can't help but live by your thoughts. That's what God is saying. And so you are fully relying upon me. You are fully dependent upon me. That's how we've been created. Without depending on him, we cannot live. The moment we stop walking with God, that that moment, devil already enters into you and so you think that how you whatever your thoughts is right and as proverbs say uh, the way to destruction seems right to a man and so he walks down that road but God alone knows the way of life amen
1: and so this is like a
0: court right and so the witness is the child and, and the mother is being put on trial So right now the focus is that Israel needed to choose God but that has been lost And and remember all of this can only be solved by who? By God and that's why it's grace He needs to give to us they, and so first of all Is us being immersed in his grace It's not about me doing something It's not about me determining something No first is plead right Plead with God to be under his grace That Lord you must Grant me this grace You must grant me this grace This is what first we need to acknowledge That, Lord, did you not give us your righteousness? Did you not do this? Did you not give us this grace? That's what you need to first acknowledge. Plead, plead with this. That you did not just create, that you did not just uh, give me a righteousness that just gives me forgiveness, but that gives me complete purity, and purity as a bride, right? So that's where that confidence comes from, knowing his promise. As long as you live with God's righteousness, you will be confident no matter what happens, no matter the circumstances. You will have that confidence knowing that you can repent at all times. That's the characteristic of those who live in the presence of righteousness. I'm not saying that you do not sin. Of course, you may sin. But even when you sin, you have that confidence knowing that you can turn to God and that is a healthy spiritual life that in that moment even when you sin you can immediately loosen loosen that binding this is great this is the greatness of living with God and so look and so he pleads with your mother but Israel was unable to live by this grace they were unable to come to their senses even though he calls to them, he calls to them and saying to turn away from your bowels and, and, and look at how he pleads to them and so God is crazy in love with his people, amen and so continuing for she is not my wife and I am not her husband this is proclaiming a separation, right? divorce or, or, so it's a breaking of that betrothal right it's breaking of that betrothal betrothal means that they are already married but they're just preparing right and the the bride needs to purify purify but because she was not able to be pure this 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 betrothal has been broken We need to meet with him in the purest of purity on that day, but because we are not pure, we cannot stand as that bride. But remember that this is ultimately what God's promised promise is about. His promise is focused on what? On us being His pure bride. And that is the promise of of the Bible. And that's what the promise that we need to live by. We should live by that promise. It's not about whether I'm going to heaven or not. It's about whether am I going to be the pure bride or not. That's what's most important. The Bible doesn't say to be the crowd, to be the multitude in the wedding feast. No, the Bible says to be the bride, be the pure bride. That's the single promise of the Bible. And so I'm not her husband. That she put away her whoring from her face. And so this whoring, what is this whoring? Is syncretism, right? And so this word for whoring it also uh, ties spiritual aspects of it, right? It's, it's, and so syncretism—that is, that your 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 blessing doesn't come from Baal. it doesn't come from Ashra. It's not the world that blesses you. It's not the world that enriches you. So pastors. You should not have the purpose uh, When you preach of of teaching your church members That be blessed in the world And blessed in God No, there should not even be a hint of that And So I say to my businessmen That are you gathering money Even though your relationship with God is not right Then I I pray for you to to be broken To be cursed then because because that cannot be. You cannot be blessed by the world and by God. And so, your purpose, your motivation, whenever you speak, it should not uh, be goodness in the world and in the, in the spirit. It's an impossible. It's an impossibility for the world and the church and and God to go hand in hand. And so, pastors, in your motivation, you should take your take that out of your mind. That that two things are possible. That both blessedness in this world and blessedness in in, in God is the same. Because the world is something that's going to burn tomorrow. Then why invest in it? Why invest in it? now why then do we have this business because God has called you there and has entrusted you in this business in this work that's why we do it but this in itself is, should not be the goal should not be our purpose and so when it comes to pastoral ministry even your pastoral ministry that in itself should not be your goal so you, that pastoral ministry should not be the standard of your success and failure no and so if your energy is not invested in prayer that means that you are spending too much time in your actions of your pastoral ministry you are too focused on your works in ministry your philosophy your your reputation your ability your your, uh, ministry I'm not saying that you shouldn't do these things. I'm saying that these things happen naturally out of God. And so it should be focused on God, not focused on your works. You cannot touch the souls of your church members. It's not you touching it. It's either God or devil. That's the clear Uh, Distinction you need to make When you try to touch Your church member's souls It's actually the devil touching it And so is it my strength Or is it the anointing Is it my strength Or is it the Holy Spirit That's what must be clear And so as you continue to live By the Holy Spirit Then you will see These two clear distinct uh, Things happening in the church if they're not growing and they're not transforming but they're still attending church well then there's something problem with that and so, actually, that's what happened at our church for 10 years. No change happening. And, I mean, of course, there was a little bit of change, but, but not the kind of change that could be expected. But then coronavirus happened. And when the coronavirus happened, you know, uh, it, it separated the wheat from the chaff. These days, I don't even tell people to leave, and yet they're leaving, they're leaving because, because it's too hard, it's too hard to, to, to remain in this church without transforming. Without receiving that word, right? And now they're starting to leave. And so, and so these two clear distinctions are happening, people receiving the word in faith and transforming, or those who cannot receive, and so they cannot just live a religious life here, and so they leave. This must be clear. There must be this distinct response in your church. It must be clear. And so how pure is the pastor? As it says in Malachi, right? Not only is the bread that is offered must be pure, but the hands that offer that bread must be pure. I don't know how many churches, how many, how many seminaries raise their pastors in this way, but this is important. That that God has entrusted His church to your hands. So, brothers, you want to be pastors, right? Don't, don't give up. Don't be pastors. Why? Don't be pastors. Are you going to give up? No. You you guys are you guys are blind. Are you really going to be pastors? Okay, Pastor Yun, okay, may, try to uh, cut them, okay? And so take, put away this whoring, right? Take away this syncretism, the syncretism. So it's taking away the, 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 the odor of the world. Because they are influenced by syncretism, they cannot know the love of God because their, their basis of love is all corrupted and, and adulterated by the, by the world. So
1: verse
0: 3. Not much to say here. Lest I strip her naked and make her as in the day she was born. And so, what is the responsibility of the husband? The responsibility of the husband is to clothe and feed and provide for his wife, right? And so, when it says that I will strip her naked, what does that mean? That means I will no longer take my responsibility as a husband, I will no longer be her husband. For example, look at look at the newborn baby back there. If his, if his if his father and mother doesn't take care of him, he cannot survive, right? And that's kind of what it's talking about—that we need to be fully dependent on God. That that that's our reality, and yet many of us don't recognize that. And so, when His love enters into us, then then how we will respond will become more sincere. We will be more faithful to God. It's not that, oh, God will be able to do everything, He knows everything, and so, you know, I can just be lazy. No, that means you have a problem. No, when you receive God's love and you receive God's grace, you will be more sincere, more faithful. Right? Why? Because what do you believe when you receive His love, when you receive His grace? You believe in who He is and who is He? He is the King. And when you believe that He is the King, what does that mean? As the King, His word carries weight, carries great power, right? And so how could you not call upon Him? How could you not cry out to Him? How could you not ask Him for His word knowing what that word means because He is the King? And so that's why what's important is to have that pure heart. And if we want to have a pure, as we have that pure heart or a, a poor heart, what does that create inside of us? It creates purity in our heart. And if we have that purity in our heart, what does that mean? As the Beatitudes says, blessed are the pure for they will see God. Why will they see God? Because they are pure and as they see God, they're receiving God and so then your, would your prayer not be more sincere would your prayer not be more fervent so do not be deceived it's not because of your experience it's not because of your length of, of faith that you become this way no it's that purity And so when when he says that I will no longer be your husband, that I will strip her naked, Israel's not going to shiver in fear because of these words. Because because they are so corrupted. They are so adulterated. When God is saying that he will uh, give up his rights, that's something that we should tremble in fear for when we hear that. If God is going to give up his rights, that's something that we really need to fear. Let us be poor in spirit. Amen? And then not only that, when he strips her naked, what else does that symbolize? It symbolizes shame. Why are we ashamed? Because we lose God. (coughs) If we lose Jesus, we lose our clothing, we lose everything, and so we become shame. And so your relationship to God should be excitement, should be wonder, should be joy. Right now, there are times where you're going to have hardship, right? But fundamentally, the flow should be excitement. If you're not excited, that is a problem. That means there's some
1: issue.
0: So let's strip her naked and make her as in the day she was born. What does this mean? Right, this is talking about before the Exodus, right? While they were slaves. And so to them who were still slaves, as we'll see later in verse 8, where it says that, and she did not know. She did not know. And so the prophets, when they say that you have lost God,
1: what they are alluding to
0: is that they have turned their back to the amazing fact that God has taken them as slaves and made them into kings, made them into princes.
1: Yeah.
0: Why do you think I gave you $500 so that you can enjoy a meal with your, with your wife? All right? It's not so that you can just... Not, it's not just a show... No, it's so that you can remember, remember, remember the joy that God is trying to give you, that you are king, that you are princes. And so he made you into princes, but now he's going to sell you back to slavery. And so let's say a slave A servant, a beggar uh, get, Gets a little better in his life where, where he has a warm bed to sleep Where he has, he has something to eat But then he goes through hardship That's not too hard, right? But now let's take a beggar who became a prince, who has all the authority in the world, and then he becomes a beggar again. That is is torture, isn't it? And so that's why I say that Russia is not suffering as much as the West is. Think about it. Think about it. Russia was a poor country before, and so them going through a little bit more hardship is not that difficult for them. But now let's take the rich Western world, right? The Europe. Them suffering, that is much more torturous. And so you, you are priestly kings, and as priestly kings, you are sold back into slavery. That is torture, right? Could you survive as a slave again? If you have become prince once again, you need to keep living as that prince. But so many of us live as that, as that servant thinking, and as that beggar thinking that that's right. And so if we lose that nobility, it's like Esau, Esau selling his birthright for a bowl of soup. That is the curse of all curses, right? You are selling your nobility for a bowl of soup. And if you lose that nobility, then you are no better than the beast of the field. If you lose money, are you losing your nobility? No, if you lose money, it's just money going gone. Money comes, money goes. But if you lose your nobility? And so you need to treat your nobility as precious as your life. Is this word Entering into your heart Amen and, so, and make her like a wilderness And make her like a parched land Why? Because the riches And the blessing comes from God But they were serving Baal And so as they serve Baal They lose it and they become parched And so losing this riches Isn't the curse itself The curse is losing God And because they lost God He takes away the riches and so the losing of the of the of the riches isn't isn't the curse itself because losing God is the curse that's why God takes away all of these things as they're losing God And so even if we're to lose all of these things as long as we can live by God that's that should be our satisfaction do not think that happiness comes from the things of the world. Let's say that God is, or the world gives you riches, then I'll be happy. That's not the idea you should have. I mean, there is one young adult at our church member who makes a lot of money. I don't care what her salary is. If she's going to lose God because of that salary, then I'm going to tell her to quit. I don't care. You may say, then then who's going to offer what she offers? Who's going to fill the church's coffers with what she offers? Why do you concern yourself with those kinds of things? That's not what our concern is about. It's, our concern isn't about our material wealth. Why should I worry about that? That's God's responsibility. All I need to be concerned about is purity, holiness. There is no reason for me to be concerned with anything else. And so, this is about your faith, pastors. It's about your faith. Who truly believes in the kingdom of heaven? Who truly believes in God? It's because you are constantly concerned with the world. That's why you are always lost in these things. And so it's not God reigning over your church, but you reigning over the church, the world reigning over your church. Honestly, I cannot tolerate the enemy influencing me at all. So I will make her like a wilderness, and make her like a parched land, and kill her with thirst.
1: And so, even in Amos,
0: right? What did it say in Amos? Amos
1: chapter eight. This is what the Lord God showed me.
0: Okay, uh, he, he said the verse and not the chapter But he said uh, in Amos where it says that I will give them a famine And not a famine of fruit, but a famine of the word of God I don't remember exactly where in Amos this was
1: I believe it's chapter 8
0: Anyways, regarding the war in Ukraine uh, The news makes it sound like uh, Russia is losing But you know what? Honestly, that's not going to be the case Like, However it ends Ultimately, Russia is going to come out on top Whatever... Honestly, this warfare from the perspective of Ukraine is, is is a tragedy. Why? Because honestly, whether whether Ukraine is aligned to Russia or the UN or to NATO, honestly, to the average Ukrainian, it doesn't matter. Honestly, they might be more comfortable being with Russia because honestly they are the same. Same people with Russia, actually, to be honest. But but because the west is providing them with mon- with weapons and money and resources, you know, Ukraine is dragging this war out longer and longer and so simply what's happening is just more and more common people are dying. <laughs> And so, even now, right now, look at this famine that's happening because of this war in Ukraine. There is a lack of, of foods, right? And this, la- this shortage of food isn't because of what the world has done. No, it's because of a famine of the word of God. It's because, it's because God... That's the faith we need to have. It's not because of lack of resources that we starve or we are fed, we are well fed. No, it's because of God. Because God can do all things. Look at, look at the Exodus, right? He can make manna come from the heavens. He can, he can send quail from anywhere, right? He, he has all the power and ability. Now, look at global warming. What about global warming? What is this about? It's not because of man. No, it's a curse. It's a curse from God. But at the same time, what else is it? Not only is it just a curse of God, but it's also the world wailing, right? The the earth wailing for God, for the revelation of the sons of God. So what's the focus right now of everything that I've said? Is that that the world's methods and measures is not what we are to live our lives on. As long as we have the word, the word of God. As long as the word of God is abundant in His church, right? Then we, then the church will survive. The church will live. That's the faith we need to have. Amen. verse 4 upon our children also I will have no mercy because they are children of whoredom. and so earlier we talked about mercy mercy is the is the life force of God and so if that mercy is not there that means they are over they are finished and that's what we need to that's what we need to be able to fear mercy mercy is the basis of God's love and so He's what is he saying? He's saying, I will love them no longer. Their life is being cut off. So, if we live by God, if we live with God, and you receive His love, then His mercy will overflow in you.
1: And we can explain
0: this mercy from many perspectives, but when the Holy Spirit works the strength that the Holy Spirit gives comes from many perspectives but but ultimately is instead of living myself or actually that strength what does it do it 's selfless it 's altruistic so if you live by the Holy Spirit it 's not living for yourself but that strength that you, that you pour out is always going altruistically it 's going selflessly it 's always going outward So if you are still concerned about yourself Your prayer is all about myself Me, 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 me Then Then it's proof It's evidence that you are not living by the Holy Spirit The Holy Spirit is always selfless It's altruistic And this altruism comes from what? Comes from this mercy And so Yerbang Church and Zoe Ministry We may not be able to enrich all the poor people in the world, but, but whatever we can do, we need to be able to help the world. And During this coronavirus time, I gave out all kinds. Of, I continually provided and tried to support uh, churches all over the world. Why? Because we are kings. And Because we are kings through this reign, through this dominion, God's dominion is extended. And so it's not about our circumstances, it's not about our, our ability. We just do it because we are kings.
3: Yeah.
0: And so we do not live for ourselves, but we live for others. That's the strength of Christians. It's not about us taking our strength for ourselves, but we use our strength for others. And it's not because you're trying to purposely force yourself to live that way. No, when you live with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will make you live that way. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit is inside of you, His strength pours out of His mercy, and in that mercy, that strength comes towards others. So let's say that money came into your hands. Then the first thing that you should think about is, what is this money for? Is this money for others? Who should I use this money for? And so, in essence, your essence should be more characterized by mercy, being selfless, altruistic. So cut off this evil cycle, thinking that it's all for myself, for myself, for myself. So do not allow this cycle of Babylon to, to, to capture you and for you to just flow according to the Babylon.
1: So for the past 33 years,
0: I was always strong against that current of the world. If, if the world tried to uh, take control of this flow, then I would immediately go against it. That's the strength that God gave me, the grace that God gave me. God needs to reign over me, needs to have dominion over me. Not the enemy, not the world. It's not what the world desires that should have dominion over me. Not people, not money. It should be God. If God gives me, then I'll accept. If someone is giving me out of their own strength, then I don't accept if I were to gather all the money that people had offered I would have already been a very rich man I remember someone tried to bring uh 10 10 billion uh, one for for construction I didn't receive it not because that person was evil but because that wasn't from God so listen carefully I'm not trying to boast but I'm talking about the flow of God and, and, and following after the flow of God and re- listening to his word receiving his word not go- going what the world wants not looking for what the world wants And so it's not because you're wary against the world, you're trying to look out for the world, you're beware of the world. No, it's rather you're under the flow of God, constantly flowing towards God, looking towards God, and so you naturally uh, uh, go against the world. So verse 5, verse 5 to verse 7, this is the second accusation. Is the word entering into your heart? Okay, pastors, receive the word in anointing, receive it in faith. And I say once again, you are not just any old human being. You are special. You are a special human being. So
1: verse 5 to 7, the second
0: accusation. So verse 5. For their mother has played the whore, she who conceived them has acted shamefully because the mother is corrupted of course the children are corrupted meaning that the immorality did not stop at that generation and at this time in this 8th century BCE syncretism was so characteristic because think about it Baal and Asherah was this god and goddess and it's when they had intercourse that that the world would be blessed with riches with abundance and so with this ideology in mind they would have these prostitutes at the temple to symbolically uh, have this kind of intercourse so that they can so that as kind of like a worship an act of worship and so to the men and the women of Israel at that time to them this was just uh, natural and and so so this kind of adultery wasn't even a sin to them so as I said before syncretism the strategy of syncretism is to make you null dull towards uh, sin Making you more and more apathetic To sin
1: it's
0: Desensitizing you To the severity of sin And so this is something That we should be more and more sensitive to In the church But if you are not Then that, then that is proof That your church is being Adulterated by the world So even though they are lost in the sin, they cannot see that sin. They're having this adulterous relationship in the temple, but they cannot see it as sin. When I first entered into uh, the Methodist denomination, Honestly, like, even at that time, I'm not entirely sure how intensely they received sins. And because of that, of course, they're going to be adulterated by syncretism. The church, when holiness grows, that standard of holiness must become more and more uh, distinct and more and more uh, clear. And I remember one time at service, a young adult came to this church with with very bright hair. And honestly, to the world, that's nothing, right? Like, like honestly, it doesn't matter how what color you dye your hair. But I I, I told her, you, next time come back with uh, change your hair color. And and many young adults may hear this and be like, what? Are, oh, pastor, that's too much. Like, why are you concerned with this? But but really, I'm just. It's not. The color of the hair is not the problem, it's the spirit, the spirit that's moving them. Because look, think about, even from this perspective, many of our church members who are young adults who leave the church, the very first thing they do is dye their hair the moment they leave our church. They all end up with blonde hair and then also have a girlfriend the moment they leave the church. And so, if you have this odor of the world, that's it's clear. It's clear. So, anyways, and so, for she said, I will go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. And so, who are these lovers? These lovers is Baal, right? And so, who should they love? They should love God. But instead of loving God, they went after other lovers. They went after this abundance, these riches, the god of uh, of of fertility this is really important we should not follow after the world you yourself and your 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 sheep that you are pastoring this must be clear who are you loving that must be clear you should always have that love for God
1: it's the same thing in our
0: church I do not make a decision all of a sudden out of nowhere no I keep watching keep watching over
1: okay
0: I said I chased one deacon out last year it didn't happen all of a sudden no for 18 years waiting for him waiting for him waiting for him and so even though you cannot know every aspect of everyone's life, But what you should be able to know about every church member is what root is moving them, what is driving them, what is pushing them, what spirit is over them. So Israel needed to love God, but instead of loving God at this time, they were going after their lovers, their lovers of Baal, their lovers of Asherah, their lovers of of abundance, who give me my bread, my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. So look how this is This is astonishing, right? My bread, my water, my wool, my flax, my oil, and my drink. Who do these things belong to? It all belongs to God, right? God gave it to them. And yet they think that the world gives it to them. When we live by God, Then lordship is God, right? We consider Him to be Lord over everything That's why, what do we call Him? Right, we call Him Lord, right? We call Him Lord and Master Right, we call Him Lord And when we acknowledge Him as Lord What are we acknowledging ourselves as? We are acknowledging that the Lord has everything. He is Lord over everything, and He gives us stewardship, right? That we are His stewards, right? That's our relationship, right? It's a relationship between a Lord and a steward. But now they're saying that Baal is their Lord, that Baal gives them their bread, their water, and their wool. And so when they acknowledge that Baal possesses this, what does that mean? That means that they are de- um, that, that this idol This idol possesses everything and What is idolatry? Idolatry is deification of my desires Then ultimately what does that mean? When they're acknowledging Baal's lordship They're acknowledging themselves That it is my things, my things, my things And so when they say Baal Baal gave these things to us They're using Baal as an excuse To say that they possess everything They are lord It's my 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 my. It's the same thing in the church, pastors. This is what you need to be careful of. If you are self-centered, you what happens? It becomes my church, my ministry, my sheep. Right? These pastors think it's my church, my sheep, my ministry. That's the scary thing That's what happens naturally And so it no longer becomes the kingdom of heaven But who? It becomes your kingdom The kingdom of the beast Right? The kingdom of a gathering of beasts So verse 6 Therefore I will hedge her up her her way with thorns And yet even still God loves them I don't know how to understand this. I cannot grasp this. How he loves. I will build a wall against her. Right. Look at how crazy in love God is that he's going to stop them by building a wall. So we need to love brothers because because of this love of God. Right? And this love isn't a self-centered love, but it's a it's a selfless love. For example, let's say Jay back there says to his father Yungi, I don't want to live with you anymore, right? Then then what would happen to Yungi? He would he would he would get shocked and paralyzed from heart attack, right? Because of his love for his son. This is the love that God has. Look at his exp- look at these expressions. How 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 much God is shocked. What is true curse? True curses. Do whatever you want. Is that the state right now? No. God is still trying to hold on to them. God is still trying to hold on. Why? Because the most important thing is is that God. God's. All right. Wait. What? Sorry. One moment. Sorry, I didn't catch that, but one moment But he's not giving up easily On the souls, so moving on to verse 7 She shall pursue her lovers But not overtake them Who are her lovers? Again, this is Baal It's the world, right? That she'll pursue her lovers, but not overtake them And she'll seek them But shall not find them All of these words, these verbs, who should they originally be used to? They should be used to God, right? We should be pursuing after God and seek God, right? And yet they're all pursuing Baal and seeking Baal. But because God loves them, that that they will not overtake them and shall not find them. Why? Because then she shall say, I will go and return to my first husband for was better for me then and then now. And so this wall is putting up and her he- way is hedged with thorns and she cannot find them and she cannot overtake them. And so then what happens? She meets, she returns, she says, I will go and return to my first husband. Who is this first husband? It's God. For it was better for me then than now. And so all the riches and abundance, the fertility of Baal, all of these things was what she was chasing after. But then ah, oh, she realizes that this is not The blessing. But actually, this isn't the case of what's happening in Israel. This is just God's hope for Israel. By taking away all of these things, by hedging up the walls against her, he's hoping that they will return. This is God's illusion, a delusion in a sense. But it's the delusion of love that that they will return, that they will return, that they will go and return and say, Therefore it is better for me than than then than now and then so what we see in verse 11 we'll talk about the worship
1: but but remember the way the enemy can
0: the focus of the enemy is to corrupt your what? is to corrupt your worship to corrupt the worship that you lift up to God because that is the source of the curse And so in Ezekiel, what do they see first? Is that, yes, we were to worship God, and that is our greatest blessing. And yet, why did we forsake this worship? Why did we forsake this? And so it's when then that they will come to their senses and realize that this worship was the source of their glory. This worship was the source of their nobility. This worship was the source of of happiness. And so so It's better to quickly recognize this But it takes them forever So continuing Verse 8 The third uh, accusation and judgment And she did not know that it was I Who gave her the grain, the wine, and the oil And who lavished on her silver and gold And which they used for Baal God is the one who gave it And yet they used it on Baal They thought that Baal gave it to them And so they used it on Baal Especially silver and gold At this time, why is silver written before gold? Because silver was more precious at this time than gold because it was so much harder to find pure silver. But what does silver represent? It represents purity, right? This pure silver because it's so hard to find pure silver. It's about purity. And so in Malachi, right? What did I say? That when it comes to silver, 95% of it is unusable, and only 5% is actual true silver. And so, and so it, in, in us, if we were to take out 95%, what would be removed?
1: I We need to refine ninety-five percent out of us. <laughs>
0: And so through this process, God is establishing you and refining you and building you up for this purity, amen? I mean, honestly, what does Israel have that that does not come from God? And so as long as we do not lose sight of this lordship, then we will not cower before Babylon. We will not submit to Babylon. Because no matter what poverty, no matter what hardship, as long as we believe that God is Lord, then there is nothing that can cause us to be shaken. I don't have, then so what? I don't have. But the reason why these shakes you is because you lose sight of God's lordship. If God is Lord, then okay. My health, take it. My money, take it. As long as God is Lord, right? If God is the master of the universe, if He owns the universe, and he is the one who has all the decision. he lays all decisions, then, then nothing can cause me to be shaken. Why? Because who is he? He is the one who loves me, right? Amen? So let's continue. And yet they did not know. This is a key in Hosea, is no, yada. And in Greek, ginosko, experiencing God. And so fundamentally, Israel is a nation that receives God's dominion. And by living with God, they are to experience God, to know God, know His mercy, know His love. And so prayer is important in many aspects. But from this perspective, through prayer, they are receiving God's answer, and through receiving God's answer, they come to know God. And so, if you are to live by the Holy Spirit, what does and another expression for that is to say you are knowing God?
1: Right?
0: Right? How? Because. Through knowing God, through facing towards God, as it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, from his face shines the light of the knowledge of God, right? And so through him, through know through experiencing him, through receiving him, you come to know him more and more. So, right, as it says in chapter 4, verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And it continually says throughout the book of Hosea, knowing, knowing, knowing. Right, as it says, right, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And so these two words are continually repeated throughout Hosea. Knowing God, knowing God. Verse 13, uh, they forgot God. And so these two words, forgot, forsaken, forsaken and, and lack of knowledge. And so what's first? Do they lack of knowledge or forsaking knowledge? It's forsaking first Because they forget Because they turn away That's why they lose So another way to say this Is that they've forsaken their identity They forgot who they are That's what's important And so the fundamental uh, principle behind your faith will always be in believing who you are knowing who you are it's about your identity and it's through that identity, that righteousness that comes in your identity that, that everything else flows because knowing who you are and believing in who you are will mean you believe everything that he gives you and that is the most important thing in your faith life. Knowing that I am who I am and also the Holy Spirit inside of you comes and 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 inside of you what? Reminds you who you are, confirms who you are. What does the Holy Spirit do inside of you? Keeps reminding you that you are uh, Adopted by God That you are his fellow heir You are an inheritance You have an inheritance in God And that is the focus of what the Holy Spirit does Is to remind you who you are And so as long as you know who you are Then you will not sell yourself To this worthless world there's no reason for you to, uh, Im- to invest in this worthless world when you know who you are so again the focus that Hosea puts on is that they is to know and to they lack knowledge and they forsaken and when they forsaken Right? The Holy Spirit continue to experience lets you experience that knowledge, but because they've forsaken, they, they they lose that knowledge. And so whatever you do in your pastoral ministry, whatever you do, the focus, the most basic thing is to know God not only to know God, but actually more than that.
1: Are,
0: It's to know God, right? To know God and meet God In Leviticus 16 If you look at Leviticus 16 Look at the clothes of the prophets uh, Of the priests Okay, do you know What they wear? What they put on The value of it Is so expensive And so what do they first put on? They first put on their underwear, right? Their underwear and so they put on underwear. And so it's because you do not put on your underwear that's why you're attacked by immorality. That's why you are attacked by adultery. And so put on the
1: underwear. And, underwear. and this
0: underwear isn't cheap. This underwear is using the best linen, right? And then what's put on top of that?
1: Oh, yeah. in,
0: in Exodus twenty-eight, yeah. Right? Yeah. they put on the uh, the robe of new cloth, right? That's long; it's really long. It gets down to their ankles. And then. They put on top of that a blue robe, right? And what's attached to it? It's the uh, uh, golden apples and pomegranates, right? And then on top of that, an ephod of gold. And then on top of that, they put on the right breastplate with the the 12 stones, right? And so this is something that they should all be putting on as priests. And this is all something that you need to be equipped with, right? They have the they have the uh, breastplate and then the turban, and then it 's all engraved with signets of the of the twelve twelve n- tribes of Israel
1: <inaudible>
0: attached together by the two chains of pure gold twisted like cords and, and and so all of these things you need to check that you are wearing all of these things and what is this all attesting to it 's attesting to your identity. And so you need to have that identity as a pastor, right? You are pastors who have been entrusted the church of God. This is important, but the most important identity isn't your pastorship. But this is actually something that many people are confused in. In Leviticus 16, what does this talk about? It talks about the day of atonement as they enter into uh, the holy place where there is the bread of of the presence and and the the candles. They're meeting with God and they're ministering before God in the holy place. But, But the high priest, only the high priest can enter into the most holy place. And what does he put on when he enters into the most holy place? He cannot put on this breastplate. He doesn't wear this robe. No, he takes all of this off. The only thing he puts on is the linen of, of fresh, of, of new cloth. And what is this? This is symbolizing his essence of who He is, of this being who is loved by God, who receives that love, that before Him that it's because of His love that I can stand before Him, it's because of His love and His mercy, and so only with these two things I come before God, and so if you put on that righteousness, if you put on that breastplate and that that, that outer robe and that turban, coming before God with all your pres- with all your uh your, your 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 position your your responsibility no you are coming before God as a worshipper uh, and only in that state can you come before him in his holy of holies so you should not go before him with all of those things don't come with him with your burden of your ministry and so every morning you should come before the Holy of Holies laying all of these things down, putting only on the robe of right- uh, 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 of clean cloth and receive his love, receive his love and being in that place of worship, knowing that that love is there. So take off that burden and go into the Holy of Holies. draw near to the throne of grace. You need to lay down that heavy burden. Lay down that heavy burden. It's because you keep carrying that heavy burden that you fail to meet with God. Therefore, I would take back my grain in its time and my wine in its season. And so, in and so verse five, they kept saying it was mine, 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 right? And so, what does God do? He say, He proclaims that it's mine. It's not yours. It's
1: mine. Right? We thought it was my
0: my bread, right? And we think it's mine, mine. But now God finally claims what's his. God proclaims, <laughs> declares <laughs> who truly possesses <laughs> this.
1: So, So
0: we need to move everything according to God's will, even time, our possessions, our. Right? We need to consider everything as God's. When we don't, that's when God comes to claim it. So finally, God is saying that I will take back my grain in its time. And so because uh, God is the one who can take, give and take away, right? And so he comes to take away. And so don't think that, oh, I have nothing, and so that's unfair. No, actually, because I don't have anything, makes life easier, right? Because I don't possess anything, when something takes is taken away from me, it's not a big problem because it's never mine to begin with. How does why does this make life easier? Think about when Israel was taken into captivity in Babylon. It's not because God lacked power. No. No, rather it all belongs to God already, and so He can take whenever. And so that's why it makes us so much easier. So no matter how strong Babylon may grow it doesn't matter if God says I take Israel back he takes it back. That's the happiness we have as Israel. It's happiness that I don't possess anything. That everything belongs to God. My children my, my ministry all of it is yours and I have nothing. On the day of payday pay who who has who is tortured the most is the it's the president, it's the CEO, it's the owner, right? Because he has to pay you. He has to pay the workers. And so God takes back. So many people think that this is where, where their fear comes from, lacking things. But this is actually where happiness comes from. All we have to do is acknowledge. Acknowledge that, it, that God is Lord. That's it, right? That's all we have to acknowledge. So I will take back the grain in its time and I will take away my wool and my flax which were used which were to cover her nakedness. And so this is Israel. Israel receives when God gives and, takes, and when God takes away, they lose. And that's okay because it all belongs to God. And that's, it's when you acknowledge that that's when you find true happiness. So now your happiness isn't relying upon what you have. And so even your life, your life and your, your children, your, your church members, this is the attitude that you should have. It's all about God. God. God possesses. You are the master. So it's not me who loves my children. It's God. It's I love them through the love of God. This is the happiness, true happiness. So verse 10. Verse
1: 10.
0: Now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers and no one shall rescue her out of my hand. And so this uh, shame I will uncover her lewdness her lewdness that's word lewdness
1: right?
0: So they thought Baal gave them their riches but no, God alone has lordship And he's uncovering that lewdness And so Israel's nobility, Israel's glory Israel's greatness Israel's power and authority All of these things The focus of these things Is that, is that they will never be brought to shame before the world that, that shame, lewdness, has nothing to do with the children of God. But this is only made possible when you're right with God. But if you are not right with God, then ultimately you will be brought to shame. Right? Because the shame makes you come to your senses. But if you are a child of God, you will never be brought to shame. Right? There is no uh, um, unfairness, there is no sense of loss. And so if you think that there is this unfairness, if you think that there's shame, don't blame it on your money, don't blame it on your circumstances, don't don't blame it. You should first look at your relationship with God. That's where you should first find it. Because this only happens when you lose that honor and nobility as a child of God. God is absolute. And so that's the only thing that we must have. And this glory that God has poured out if, if we don't have that glory then without that glory we are are we are, suff- we are sh- suffering uncovered this lewdness, this shame. That's uh, must be clear to us and so fundamentally do we have anything to do with shame? No we do not do we have anything to do with inferiority complex? no we do not fundamentally at the base level we do not. Understand? So no matter your circumstances, there is no shame. And so these are the eyes that you need to be able to look, see through as as a pastor. The glory, the glory that is before the presence of God. And in this glory, the riches, power, and authority. And so if so, then no matter what happens in your church, there is no shame. Even if you lack money, there's no shame. Even if you lack people, there's no shame. Because God's kingdom is glory, no matter what kind of suffering, persecution the world may give, there is no shame. So as long as we have the glory of God, we will never suffer shame. Amen? Amen. But when there is shame, that means that there's something wrong with God, with with your relationship with God, and so He is alone can make that right. And so God is the one who 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 makes it right. God is the one who makes who who can take away. God gives and God takes away. That is our happiness. That means all we have to do is be aligned to God, be right before God, and so. Israel's happiness is based on God That as long as we are attuned to God As long as we are in God Amen And so as long as we are attuned to God Amen He will restore This is the source of your true happiness It is your happiness It is Israel's happiness Amen Are you not happy? And so don't try to find solutions in the world Okay
1: so verse
0: 11 and I will put an end to all her mirth, her feasts, her new moons, her sabbaths and all her appointed feasts and so the reason why Israel is corrupted is because they lose their identity and as I said because they lose their identity who is Israel to be? Israel is to be worshippers of God they are to truly worship God that is their identity to serve God in the temple right That is the, that is what the priests are to do and of course, of course, it is true from the Old Testament perspective that it is a job, right? It is, it is work. But Israel, as a whole, without confirming the holiness, purity, they cannot work. They cannot uh, take this mantle, right? It's only those who receive the love of God, who know the love of God, who can, who can minister before the Lord, right? And so And so when they lose the worship When the worship is taken from them What the enemy is trying to do Is what Is trying to take away their identity As loved by God Right uh, Because oh, One moment One moment and so her feasts right her feasts this is pointing to syncretism right because of the uh, goddess kind of thing their way of worship and the, the structures of worship have been corrupted by syncretism As Romans 12.1 says, is to uh, offer up yourselves as living sacrifices. For this is your uh, the right way of worship. Um, and this worship, what is this worship? This worship is the result of your life, your life of purity. And so, so, so worship is the result of your lifestyle. It. it How difficult will worship be If you just show up on Sunday After living in the world Throughout the entire week That's not what worship is about Worship is about Is the result Is a culmination Of that Of your lifestyle Throughout that week It is offering your life Offering yourself As a living sacrifice and so, as I said, the worship is not about numbers. It doesn't matter how many people gather in that church. It's about, it's about holiness. As long as they are all there, all who gather who are holy, will not God be pleased with that worship? And if so, will he not pour out his glory? And so, through that holy life, uh, glorious worship is lifted up to God and going beyond that right? look at the priest uh, the fear and trembling that they had as they came before God in the Holy of Holies and, and then the wonder that they have that they meet with God and this is what the enemy is trying to take from, from God's people this is what the enemy is trying to corrupt you can say to Israel the worship was everything that as worshippers they were they were beings of love of of love from God and so they were to experience that love more and more by meeting with God in that worship and so they take that away from them they uh, the devil tries to take that away from them that 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 love that 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 they were supposed to have so verse 12 and I will lay waste her vines and her fig trees of which she said these are my wages which my lover has given me which Baal has given me so wages he think, he thinks that these are wages right the the vines and fig trees the abundance that God has given as a gift they think it is a wage from Baal they think that That in their adultery, in their prostitution, they receive these wages. And so God is saying that I will lay waste to these things, to these things that they think is their wages. And so, look, blessing, blessing from in the big picture. Ultimately, riches themselves is not blessing, but what is blessing? It depends on who gives it to you. Who is the one who gives it to you is what true blessing is. And now God is saying that this, these riches, these blessings, will be—I will lay waste to them.
1: and
0: So we should be able to live with these blessings because they are the—they are what God has given us, right? We see that in His in His blessing of Adam and of Abraham. These blessings have been given to us But these blessings are only Right with us when they are given By who? By God So many times you may think that famine Is a curse but many times that famine May actually be the true blessing Why? Because you are Because if that brings you back to God Then that is a true blessing so verse 13, lastly, And I will punish her for the feast days of the bowels when she burnt offerings to them. This is all, again, cursing the, the idolatry. And so why did all of these things happen? Because they went after her lovers and forgot me, declares the Lord. They forgot their identity. They forgot who they are. They they lost their nobility. They lost sight of, of their glory, of who they are and their identity. And all of these things they offered worship in a syncretist way. And so look, they are still doing the feast to Yahweh. They are still keeping the appointed feasts. But the problem is is what is that it was all mixed. It was all syncretized. And so I will punish her for the feast days of the Baals when she offered burnt offerings to them. And so God is a God of mercy, right? Where, where we can make mistakes a hundred times and he'll probably forgive us 95 times. But, but when he says that I will punish her for the feast days of Baal, I will, uh, I will pay them as Baal does. What does that mean? That each time I make a mistake, I will get a punishment. But re- fundamentally with God, it's about mercy and love, right? And he, cons- he gives us his righteousness and constantly pours out his righteousness on us, waiting for us, transforming us, purifying us. And that's his principle, right? And so that's why he always says, come, come, return to me. But because they've been continually forsaking God, t- it's back on God. Finally, what does he say? He says, you will reap what you sow. And when, that, when we get to that point, that's the trouble. And so I'm, I'm sure that that will not happen to you. But I pray for you, pray for you, that you will continue to be dependent upon God, that you will not be in this life where you're independent of God. If you keep living in the world, then this may happen to you. This can happen to you. It becomes open to you. We need to keep allowing God to lead us and lead our flock. And in your pastoral ministry, this is what needs to continually uh, be revealed, made manifest. And when it is revealed, do not uh, compromise with it, but let them be cut off from the world and and, and help them, lead them, guide them to to look to God. Amen. So let us pray. And Lord, these messengers that you are keeping I bless them now The identity as a child of God That I am a servant called by God The nobility that comes from being your child Your priestly king Help us not to lose sight of that want for even one moment And through this exposition of Hosea May this glory come. And if by any chance we have lost it, Lord, come back and fill us up again to these glorious servants, holy servants of yours that is held by your glory who have been called by you. Touch them in their worship. Touch them in their worship and may their worship touch your heart again.
3: Receive it in faith. Receive it in faith that the blood of Christ that has been spilt for me has cleansed my sin to be white as snow. Lord, may that blessing be renewed at this time that we have been made holy. This amazing grace that have made us pure and sanctified us. Let us once again confirm it in faith and pray all together blood of Jesus. Believe in it. Believe in it. Let that inspiration, let that inspiration once again flow through the church. Flow through the church. Speak, Lord, and pour it out. precious service that you have called once again pour out this nobility pour it out upon them and touch them and show them open their eyes to see where Israel's happiness lies where Israel's happiness truly lies once again touch their hearts Lord, yes Lord we take off our outer robes Father we come before We receive your precious love Once again Make us whole once again And call us as your kings
0: Lord Come upon this place Lord Hallelujah Heavenly Father Your unlimited love that pours out upon us. This immeasurable, explosive love. How can we forsake that love and turn towards the world? This that could not be, Lord. Father, once again, we come before you in a repentant heart. Lord, this could not be, it could not be, and yet we made it be. But Lord, your special service, your beloved service, once again, Lord, help us to never forsake this amazing privilege, this explosive privilege that you have given us. Father, may you establish us once again in that firm foundation and yes Lord every day that we would grow every day and meet with you every day that we would live such blessed lives oh Lord touch us, loosen us and renew us once again and in that blood Father may we rise once again, may that precious blood once again cover over us cover over us Lord fill this place Lord, we thank you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.